for those of you who don't know me, my name is Mike, and uh, I see some new faces out there. So I attend The Rock here, and my wife, uh, Leslie, is kind of, she's over there, and my daughter is sitting right next to her, uh, right behind Bond and Heather over there. Um, I have four, or I'm sorry, four children, three girls, one boy, um, so you can pray for him. He's going to need <laughs> a lot. Uh, he has four mamas that rule the house and take care of him at all times in every situation. And so it is uh, a lot of fun to have these little ones. Uh, my oldest is 16 and my youngest is four. And so we have a, a good age range there. Our four-year-old was one of those things where we went, you're pregnant? <laughs> what? Okay, so we'll do this again. That's okay, though. He's been a blessing. Um, and uh, just when we thought we got girls down, God threw us a boy just to show us grace and kindness and mercy and really, 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 really how to pray. So um, that's a little bit about me. Some of you have been praying for me over this last month, uh, and I appreciate that. Um, a, a little over a month ago, uh, I, I, was, I had this gap of speaking, and I didn't know what to do with it. And it was like a two-week gap. And so I was praying to God right before coming to church on Sunday, and I said, God, I got two weeks. Use me in these two weeks. I don't, I don't know what is happening with this two weeks, but I've got two weeks until my next speaking engagement. And uh, I came to church, and I was sitting in the second row, and all of a sudden I got a text from Mount Gilead saying, hey, in one week we need a speaker because he is canceled on us. Is there any possible way that you could come out and speak 11 times in one week? <laughs> So I said, thank you, Lord, for answering. Please don't flood me like this again, right? So God has been flooding me again and again and again. So over the last 30 days, tonight is my 26th speaking engagement. So God has just been, just been on, on the move uh, just from one little prayer. It's been amazing. So over that last 30, this last 30 days, um, God has been... <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Sometimes we don't know what to say. Amen's great, right? But God has been at work uh, in 64 souls, realized that they were sinners and turned and accepted Jesus Christ. So God, God has been just gracious to me that I get to see that with my own eyes, to see him at work, to see the Holy Spirit moving. And it's just been an absolute roller coaster for me. So you could hear a little raspiness in my throat. Uh, that's 26 speaking engagements piled up on top of one another. So this entire month, I feel like I've done nothing but prepare and speak and prepare and speak uh, while keeping a 40-hour <laughs> work week. <laughs> so... Um, I'm gonna take a nap after this, so just so you guys know, I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be sleeping on the way home. My wife will drive. It'll be great. Uh, if you want to turn with me to Psalm 27, we're gonna be in Psalm 27 tonight, continuing on our series in the Psalms. It's funny. I was praying because I had another one of those gaps. And I was praying, God, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going on. And literally 30 minutes later, Pastor Ross goes, hey, you want to speak on a psalm? I go, okay. And what I did was I grabbed 27 really quick. 
I grabbed it like within instantly because I was afraid Bond was going to take it. So that was, that was my big fear. So I wanted to make sure I jumped in there before him. So we're going to be in Psalm 27. I do not take this lightly. This is, in my opinion, the heaviest the sermon has weighed on me in a long time because I know the men that stand in this pulpit and open up God's word day in and day out here, the attention to God's word and the detail of preaching and the love for God and the love for his people is great. And so I do not take this lightly. Um, It has weighed on me heavy to prepare this message. So let me open up and we are going to read Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, I do seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you have been my help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me. They breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait on the Lord. Let me pray. Father God, we open your word humbly. We come expecting that you will move tonight, Lord. We pray for soft hearts. We pray for open ears, Lord. We pray that our eyes would see what we see, Lord. We pray that you would move, move mightily, so that life change would happen, God. Tonight, you were the God that died on the cross for our sins, God. We pray for the salvation of those that are not in here, that do not know you, Lord. God, you are great and mighty. We thank you and love you in Jesus' name. Amen. What a beautiful psalm, right? What a beautiful psalm. Pastor Bond and I were talking last week. He said, man, you could just read that psalm, close your Bible and say, amen, let's go home. It's that good. And it is that good. 
it's amazing just to, the comfort that, that that psalm brings, just even reading it aloud. It's beautiful. There's some things, some people, that when you're in their presence, it seems like everything is just right with the world, doesn't it? I remember being in my dad's truck, just driving, not having to say a word, not talking to each other, just the radio on, the windows down, it's summertime, and it seemed like everything was just right with the world. I remember being maybe 10 years old, Christmas Eve. I loved looking at the lights on the Christmas tree before I went to bed. And I remember walking upstairs into my room, and I remember my grandma opening the door like right after I had just gotten into bed. And she comes walking in, and she sits on the side of my bed, seeing that I'm awake still. And she just looked at me. She just sat on my bed and looked at me. And she started rubbing my face, just ever so softly. We didn't say a word, but everything seemed right in the world. I was in college. And it seemed like nothing was right in the world. I was on a trajectory that I knew God didn't want me to be going down. I was seeking after things that I wanted to seek after. It seemed like I had a thousand friends, but was completely lonely. I was struggling deeply. I was in the hospital for two weeks because of an injury. Life just seemed chaotic, frustrating, and I didn't know what to do. And I just prayed, God, give me scripture. Just give me something to read that will bring comfort and peace. And I remember grabbing my Bible on either side, and I was trying to shoot for the middle. And I opened it up, and there was Psalm 27. Psalm 27 brought comfort and joy to my life in a time where life seemed like it was upside down. It made everything in the world seem right. My prayer for you and my prayer as I've been preparing this message is that you would find peace in Psalm 27 tonight. That no matter what is going on in your life, no matter what has happened in your life, we could find comfort and peace in the presence of God. And the deeper I dove into Psalm 27, I kept seeing the presence of God over and over and over and over again. And it's amazing. Don't we want to be in the presence of someone? We want to be in the presence of someone. But I'm going to tell you this. My dad has passed away. I could no longer be in his presence. My grandmother has passed away. I could no longer be in her presence. But there's one who will never die, who lives forever and ever and ever. And we could turn to Psalm 27 and be in his presence and find comfort and peace at all times. This psalm is sweet to me. As we open up God's word, I pray that it would be sweet to you too. There's a doctrine that God is omnipresent. And that just means that God is everywhere, right? Like God God is everywhere, and that's comforting, that God is everywhere. But sometimes I feel like we forget and think that God is everywhere, like he's with the missionary over in Asia, right? 
And maybe he's, he's down in Roner Park with the pastor down there or that family that's got everything together over there. But so often we forget that God is here. That God is here right now. If you believe in him, you can take comfort in the fact that God is with you. And David is finding this out. He's finding that it is so sweet. And he, he creates this song. This is a song of David. We have no idea when it was written. Not a clue in the world. It doesn't say, you know, in the time of this or the time of that. And it's hard to track down because it seemed like David's life was just the same over and over and over again. Someone was trying to kill him. There was some kind of sin in the way, right? And this is why we could relate to David, isn't it? This is why I find him so comforting because he's so real and honest. We see the struggle. We see it. And then he comes in and writes a psalm like Psalm 27, we could find rest and peace in that. So let's dive in. If you're taking notes, I am a preacher that is horrible for people to take notes. So I'm going to apologize to you right now, okay? <laughs> I am so sorry. I am so sorry. But we're going to be looking at four different things today. We're going to be looking at the God is my light. God is my fortress. God is my comfort. And God is my salvation. Verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Notice how personal David makes this. He uses the word my three times. My light, my salvation, my stronghold of life. It's not some theoretical theology it's experiential theology for him. He's the one who has gone through the trenches. He's the one who has faced Goliath. He's the one who has sinned. He is the one who is on the run from Saul. Again and again and again, he has the experience. It's one thing to know that honey is sweet, isn't it? To know that it is sweet. And I could walk around and I could tell you, honey is sweet to put a drop on your tongue, to, to, to experience it that way, or to get a nice big thing of cornbread and a big slab of butter and just pour tons of honey over top of it. And I could tell you the sweetness of honey over and over and over again. But if you came up to me and said, have you ever tasted honey? I said, well, no, I've never tasted it. I've never experienced it. That's not David. David has experienced the difficulty of life. And here he says, the Lord is my light. He is my light. In Exodus 13, 22, we see that the people have come out of Egypt and they're going into the wilderness. And it says this, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from the people. God gave the Israelites a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night to know that the presence of God was before them at all times. Can you imagine coming out of slavery and not going straight into the promised land? God takes you straight into the desert. Isn't that weird? I would have never done that, but that's what God did. And in that moment, he provides comfort to the Israelites by light from a fire 
from a pillar of fire. He brings about light so that they could know that God's presence is right there with them at all times. Is God with me? There's the cloud, there's the fire, he's here. He's here in the wilderness for 40 years. He's there day in and day out. He is there. And you may be thinking to me, you know what, Mike, that's great, but that's the Israelites. We don't have a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire. There's nothing I could run to. There's nothing I could cling to. But you're wrong. Let me show you where I could find it. John 7. In John 7, we see that there is a big feast. And the Israelites had three big feasts. And this is the Feast of Booths, or the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Tents. And it was a seven-day feast. And what would happen was they would go and build a tent, basically on top of their roof. And for seven days, they would remember being in the wilderness. And they would have a, a commemoration of water. And they would have this, this water ceremony that they would do to remember the goodness of God in providing water in the desert. But there was also 75-foot lanterns. And there were four of them. And they're in the temple. And on those four lanterns, they had four heads that came out. And they would get the young guys up on a ladder. And they would put 10 gallons of oil. And they would dump it into the lantern. And they would light it on fire. And they would remember that God's presence was with them in the desert for 40 years. That's chapter 7. In chapter 8, in the middle of this, Jesus comes out and he says, I am the light of the world. We do have a way of looking at something and being able to see the presence of God at all times. It's Jesus Christ. We could hold on to the fact that Jesus Christ is present that Jesus Christ is here. That's our security. We don't get a cloud. We don't get a pillar of fire. We get Jesus Christ even better. He is the light of the world. When life is falling apart, we look to Jesus Christ every single time. That's where we find our joy. That's where we find our comfort. That's where we see the presence of God. We have it today. You could have it today if you don't. He is my light. Verse three. We're going to move into the fortress. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. Of one thing I have asked the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. David finds himself with an army encamped against him, war breaking out all around him. If this were me, and you guys get to see my sin pop out right here, I'd be telling you guys, hey, let's grab a sword and a shield and let's go attack these guys. What does David say? Hey, Ben, go get your guitar. Let's have a worship service. That's what he says. He sees that the presence of God is so much greater 
than going out and fighting an army because it is God who delivers those who are in trouble. And there's no amount of army that could go up against another army that could defeat them and gain the victory and guarantee it. But God could guarantee it. But look where he hides. He hides in a tent. Isn't that funny? Have you, have you guys been in that circumstance where you all of a sudden go, okay, God, I'm in trouble. What do you got for me? Okay, here's your situation. You're like, that's it? You're putting me inside of a tent, not a fortress, not walls that are 40 feet high that are six feet deep with archers on the towers. You're not putting me in that situation. There's an army encamped around your tent. That's where you want me? That's where it's going to be? Come on, God, there's no way. We all have been in that situation, haven't we? Where things look desperate, depleted, there is no hope. But we find comfort in our God. And David is looking and saying this, a soldier could be at perfect peace in the middle of a battlefield. And a gardener could be at war, surrounded by butterflies and tulips. David knows that the battle belongs to the Lord. That it is he who gains the victory, not David, not his sword. Exodus 33. Exodus 33 is a passage. In Exodus 31, Moses is coming down with the Ten Commandments. And he comes down, and could you imagine being with God and and the finger of God is writing on the stone and you're coming down in that, that mountaintop experience. In chapter 32, he finds the Israelites worshiping a calf of gold. Chapter 33, verses one through four. Here's what the Lord says. The Lord said to Moses, depart, go up from here. You and the people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, saying to your offspring, I will give it. He's saying, guys, you can go. Go on up to the land. Go on up there. Go to your land that I promised you. Go, get out of here. I will send an angel before you. I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. But listen to this. I will not go with you. Lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. God says, you want your land? Here it is. I'm going to send an angel before you. I'm going to destroy all of your enemies. Drink as much milk as you want. Have as much honey that will fill your stomach, but I'm not going. And the Israelites came to this conclusion, verse 4, when they had heard this, this devastating word, they mourned. Listen to that. They would rather stay and have no land to not be with the milk, not be with the honey, to have their enemies surrounding them and in good health, but to be in the presence of the Lord. That's where I want us. 
No matter what's going on in life, that's where we should be. And notice in verse six, he says this, I will offer in his tent sacrifices of joy. Sacrifices of joy. The presence of God brings about joy. There's a famous pastor who passed away in 1981, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He was a pastor in London. And he was on his deathbed. And he had a friend come and visit him. And his friend was talking to his, uh, to his family on the phone. And he said, it is so hard to see him weary, worn, and sad. And Dr. Jones was not able to speak. He was struggling. It was almost time for him to, to, to depart. And with as much strength as he could, he said this, not sad. On his deathbed, most would think that this is it. There's nothing, no hope. But he said even on his deathbed, he could find joy. He could find joy. I pray that you would find joy and comfort in Jesus Christ in his presence. There is no other place to look. There is no place you could find. You could search this world over and over again, and man has done nothing but search, and they come up empty. Because only joy is found in Jesus Christ. Only joy could be found in Jesus Christ. On my way over here, I stopped at 7-Eleven to grab a drink, to try and cure my throat. Not working very well right now. There was a massive line buying lottery tickets. I didn't know what was going on. People are trying to find joy in money right now. They could win the lottery. They could have billions of dollars and still have no joy, no hope. Only in Jesus Christ. You could be laying on your deathbed and be the happiest man in the world. Let's continue on. Hear, O Lord, when I cry, and be gracious to me, and answer me. You say, seek my face. My heart says, your face, Lord, I do seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not, forsake me not. O God of my salvation, for my father and mother forsake me, but the Lord will take me in. Have you guys ever been in that situation where you feel like God is so distant? Sinned and again, that that sin, that sin again. You're like, God must not love me anymore. Must not care. You know, that's probably the most conversations I have with people is, not feeling loved and accepted by God even though they believe in Jesus Christ because of a sin. We can find comfort in knowing that God, even though father and mother forsake you, the Lord will take you in. For a mother and father to forsake someone back in that day was a big deal. That child had to mess up big time. The prodigal son taking this Inheritance and saying, Dad, I wish you were dead, that right there would have dishonored him, kicked him out. He would have disowned him. 
But I want to look at another passage. Mark 5. Let me read this to you. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And she had heard the reports of Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment and said to him, if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she had been healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving that the power had gone out from him, immediately turned to the crowd and said, who touched me? And all of his disciples said, you see the crowd pressing around you. And yet you say, who touched me? Everyone's touched you, Jesus. And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came, listen to this, in fear and trembling and fell down before Jesus. And she told the whole truth because the reality is this woman should have been cast out. She was unclean. According to their culture, she should have been removed. She should have been kicked out of the community to keep the community safe so that no one else caught whatever she had. So she's expecting Jesus to say, get out of here, go, remove yourself. But what she finds instead is this, in verse 34, daughter, daughter. The sin that reminds you of how wicked you are was paid on the cross once and for all by Jesus Christ that you might be in the presence of God. We have a good and gracious God. We have a good and gracious God who would call us sons and daughters, who would take us. I find it very funny that David would be fearless in front of an army, but where his fear comes out is finding that God's face would be removed. He is fearless in the face of his enemies, but fearful at the loss of God's face. Our last point, salvation. Let's go back to verse one. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The entire Bible talks about the presence of God. In Genesis, we see that the presence of God is found in the Garden of Eden. But sin enters the world. And in that, we have broken fellowship. And Moses brings about the law. And in this law, we see that Moses gives us what we are supposed to do. But time and time again, generation after generation, we see failure. But we desire to be with God. So in Matthew 1, 22 and 23, we see that a baby is born. And do you know what his name is? Emmanuel. Do you know what Emmanuel means? God with us. We search and search and search for the presence of God. Yet the God of the universe came down to be with us. And he called himself 
God with us. Isn't that beautiful? We couldn't go to God, so God came to us. We couldn't make our way right to God, so God came down and was born in Bethlehem and said, I will be with you. Emmanuel, God with us, is the one who wrote in the ground as the the religious hypocrites were coming after a prostitute. He was with that woman. He was the one that was with Peter as he was falling into the water and said, peace be still, and he commands the wind and the waves. That is the God with us. He's the one that went to the cross. God with us went to the cross to die a death we could not die because he lived a life that we could not live. Emmanuel, God with us, hanging on the cross. What a beautiful picture. But here's where it gets really good. As he's hanging on the cross, as his arms are stretched wide, he hears something. He hears something. He hears the man hanging on the cross next to him. And he says, this man is innocent. He has committed no evil. If he's done that, that means he's perfect. If he is perfect, then that means he is God. This man is saying, Emmanuel, God with us, is God. Here's what God says. Here's what Jesus says. Listen to this in light of the presence of God. Emmanuel, God with us, turns to the man on the cross. He says, today, you'll be with me in paradise. It doesn't get more beautiful than that. It just doesn't. Do you remember those whose sins have been forgiven when God turned to you and said, you will be with me in paradise? God has made a way that you could have access to God, to be in his presence forever and ever and ever. Because Emmanuel, God with us, came to this earth. For those of you who do not know Jesus, I implore you. I'm begging you. You're searching for something that you will never find unless you find it in Jesus. There is no hope outside of Jesus Christ. You will continue to look again and again and again and fail over and over and over again until you submit yourself to the cross of Jesus and what he has done for you so that you could have access to him, so that you could be in the presence of Christ forever. We have an amazing Savior. I pray that you guys will never look at Psalm 27 the same way again. I know I never will. Let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you and love you. 
There's no one like you. We thank you that you have opened up access that we might be in the presence of God forever. I pray for those who don't believe. Lord, maybe tonight is the night that they do. God, I pray that they would come and find me today. I pray that they would acknowledge you, bend their knee to you, realize that in your presence is fullness of joy. God, we thank you and love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to The Rocks Podcast. Our regular services are held on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you'd like to learn more, please visit our website at cctherock.org.